All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of Home and Commercial Services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're... you're you're doing it wrong. Like you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to obviously his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at Holland hcs.com you can look up holland home and commercial services on instagram for daily tips and more or you can check out their website hollandhcs.com we have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS, T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Or you can always call me and I'll cook for them. It's, it really, it's a it's a great way to love people. That journey started early in his beloved granny's kitchen. She was the one that, you know, was always cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was a Southern belle. She made everything taste good, and I didn't always, sorry, Mom, get that at home. <laughs> but uh, granny taught me how to cook, and I've never looked back from that. James is a Fox 6 Good Day Alabama monthly contributor. It's one of the honors of my life. I love cooking on TV. I love hearing the feedback. I love going in there and having people email me and ask questions. It's just, it's fun. And his peanut butter cobbler recipe was featured on the Food Network show, Carnival Eats. That was kind of a big deal. I mean, it was, uh, it wasn't like I got paid for it, but it was uh, a lot of exposure and it was really fun. Head over to chefjameskjones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. CrossFit Mophobia is owned and operated by Hayden Setzer. Hayden has a degree in exercise science and wellness with a minor in coaching. She is CrossFit Level 2 certified and Precision Nutrition certified. CrossFit Mophobia is located at 222 Decatur Highway in Gardendale, Alabama. Email CrossFitMophobiaInfo at gmail.com or call or text 256-303-1873. Or you can look up everything she does on Facebook and Instagram. CrossFit Mophobia. 
Hey guys, Team Jones here. We're excited about the fun new things we're doing this fall. Our part of the Straight Out of Prison podcast is wrapped up, but we're using this platform to tell other people's straight out of prison stories. Season eight is about Joseph. My all-time favorite straight out of prison story. Our YouTube channel has added the first three seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. And even if you've listened to all of them, check out the video format to see behind the scenes, pictures, and a whole lot more. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. It's 100% free. It won't cost you anything, but it will help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss a recipe or a podcast. On the cooking front, head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to check out what we are doing this fall as far as food goes. We'll also put all that in the show notes. Please support our sponsors. They help us provide this platform for free. And remember, you can hear their personal stories on our For Real Real platform. Thank you for your support and thanks for being a part of our story. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Straight Out of Prison podcast. My name is James K. Jones, and I'm here to tell you a straight out of prison story. And this is Haley Jones, and while I've never been to prison, I'm here to help you tell the story. I'm not going to comment on that because I don't want you to mock me again. Okay, so we're talking about Joseph. We were talking about the dreams that he interpreted. Did we get that far? Yeah, the the last episode he had interpreted the two dreams of the guys that were in prison with him. Yes, and one of the guys, and they were kind of big wigs in the palace or whatever. Yeah, they worked with Pharaoh. And he asked the guy to remember him, and he didn't. The one that lived. He asked the one that lived to remember right, him. Right, the bread guy, right? <laughs> so one, No, the bread guy was the one that got executed. Oh, yeah, the bread guy got executed, yeah. So he interpreted both their dreams, both of them had a dream. He told the cupbearer that in three days you'll be restored to Pharaoh, and it'll just be like nothing ever happened. But then the CIA agent, the what you, you likened him to a CIA CIA agent last time because he had to like drink the stuff to make sure it wasn't poisonous, <laughs> like to protect him. Right here we go again with these details. So there. the CIA agent lived. <laughs> The Secret Service agent. Secret Service, yeah. <laughs> same thing, same thing. I didn't say he was the Secret Service. I said it was kind of like the modern equivalent of a president has Secret Service agents that will take a bullet for him. Mm. And he was the cupbearer, which means he drank everything before the king just in case it was poison. Right, okay. So, but CIA is the Central Intelligence Agency. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it's the same in my world, so. <laughs> Details. Yeah. But then the other guy, he told him, you're going to get executed in three days. So he told the the cupbearer, when you get out of here, please remember me. Please say something to Pharaoh. You know, I've been kidnapped from my home. I got sold into slavery. Now I'm in prison for something I did not do. Please help me out when you get out of here. But the cupbearer, when he got out, didn't remember. He forgot all about him. Yeah, which is pretty typical, I think. Like, people... Like, are desperate and need help, and then they get help, and then you're back to being all about you all the time. Yeah, well... It's human nature, I think. I mean, I always, like, even in business now, I like, I know, like, when I reach out to someone and want once, like, when I reach out to someone and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get back with you, like, very rarely do people get back with me when they say they do, <laughs> yeah. which I don't find, like, I'm, it's not offensive to me at all. It's just, like, they have their own things. They're worrying about their schedule, what they need to do. I mean, it's, we all do it, but it's, you know... Yeah, like... It's not surprising to me, I guess, is what I'm saying, is that he didn't necessarily remember Joseph. Well, it kind of reminded me of um, a friend of mine when I was in Hines College. He started doing prison ministry. And the first weekend that he was going to go and do whatever they were doing, I can't remember the details, but he was supposed to talk to the guys and encourage them. And he said, here's what I'm going to tell him. He wanted to run it by me. And he was going to tell them that when he was in high school, he went down to New Orleans to a game and he got arrested for being drunk and disorderly and he spent a whole night in jail. <laughs> wow. So I was like, don't tell them that. I mean, <laughs> that's not going to, uh, like, that's going to make them probably resent you more anything. Well, yeah, because they couldn't relate to that as they were <laughs> sitting in prison for a long time. Yeah, like most yeah. of those guys would give anything to spend one night in jail. You ain't can do anything for one day. Yeah. But that was his only, you know, uh, thing to think about, I guess. Well, I'll tell you what it makes me think of, too, is kind of like in the healthcare, like going through like my mom's sickness and any kind of hospital thing, like just learning that you are your best advocate. Yeah. Like you're going to do the best research for you. And I mean, not that, you know, we're doctors or anything, but doctors are seeing lots of patients. You're the only one that's like fully focused on you or your family member, your yeah. child or whatever. You have to ask your own questions. Yeah. So anyway, we're, we, we, we digress, but yeah. back to the... <laughs> 
He forgot about him, basically. But, I mean, it's just, it's normal. You know, he got out, it's over with, and, you know, he didn't remember him. So for the next two years, it was kind of the same thing for Joseph. He just had to keep doing his day-to-day thing. He was he was in prison, but um, according to the story, the, the warden of the prison had turned everything over to him. So he was running stuff while he was there, but, you know, he was still in prison. So so then what? So Joseph just stays and rots forever? <laughs> Pretty much. But, I mean, you say that, but during that time, you're still living your life. Like, even when I was in prison, I hated it, but I was still living my life. So there was obviously some refining going on there with Joseph. And I can relate to that because, you know, the first three, three and a half years I was locked up, it was just me rebelling, trying to figure out how to get what I want. I mean, you can listen to podcasts and know all that. But... There came a place where I had an experience with Jesus and I had hope in my heart. Like I knew that things look bad and being locked up sucks, but at some time, something's going to happen. I had some kind of hope. But during that waiting time, that is where I really believe that I got stripped of like pride and arrogance and, you know, just got to the end of myself. Mm. And I think that's what happened to Joseph because he was no longer the cocky little daddy's baby that he had been before by this time, but it comes through, uh, you know, going through hardship, going through hard times, kind of like us right now, you know, trying to start a business, trying to start a podcast, trying to like plow ground in a new world. You go through hard times, but in the end, you can, you never see it when you're in it, but you can look backward and be like, oh, okay, that was a process that was designed to get me where I need to be. Yeah, for sure. And it's hard, but it works. <laughs> and honestly, just like studying Joseph's life and other people that's been not just in prison, but been through any kind of adversity, on the other side, it gets you ready to be an instrument in God's hands. Like you can be humble enough to be, I guess, used by God in your purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. There's definitely plenty of opportunity for humbling for him. (laughs) Well, that's the case for all of us. If you never, people that have never been through anything, like, how do you even relate to that? Like, everything's always been perfect and wonderful. Like, there was a thing going around when I first got out of prison, you know, go tell everybody your testimony, you know. And, you know, I'm like 10 years out of prison. People still want me to tell my testimony. And I am finally got to a point like... People still want you to tell your testimony. (laughs) I know, but I'm like, which one do you want? I mean, you you want... I know what they want me to say. I was in prison and Jesus saved me. But, I mean, there's been so much... I feel like every stage of my life's been a testimony because God's always getting me out of some kind of mess that I've got myself in or... (laughs) You know, through the years, through Kairos, through bad relationships, through business, everything. Um, so remind me how many years it's been since Joseph like got originally sold to slavery to the time. According to most now. scholars, he was about 17 when he got sold into slavery. There was a, a few years, some people say it was a better part of a decade that he worked for Potiphar. And it specifically says that in this next part of the story that Joseph at this time where he picked up was 30 years old. So, I mean, that's a long time to be, you know, in slavery. Because even when he was working for Potiphar and doing so well there, I mean, he was still a slave. Yeah, and he was away from his family. He was away from his people. He was away from his culture, his country, everything he knew. I mean, I just think 17 years is a long time to... No, I think it would have been closer to 13 years. So he was 17 years years old. This is a long time to be like in the process of... I mean, literally still being a slave. Yeah. I mean, I can think of even just, you know, you likened it to us starting a business and being humbled and all the things. Like, I mean, I guess it's, I don't know, I guess life is just humbling in general. But I mean, I think that it could be... I mean, that's my take on it right now anyway, but 13 years is a long time to be a slave. But it so, was, well, it was like, like I said, 13 years is a long time to be a slave. So then it's like when the guy forgot about him, he's probably like, oh, well, another, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, we all do that when we're going through something. We think this is it. And then it's not. And it's like, well, what is it? And then you got Jesus like, just trust me. And Joseph had to hold on to hope just like I did when I was in prison. You know, after I came into a relationship with Jesus, like none of my circumstance changed, but I knew that God has something more for me in my life. I just didn't know when it was going to be or how it was going to be. And even in prison, I got to be a part of some pretty amazing things. But at the end of the day, you don't want to be locked up doing all the the 
prison things. You want you want freedom. And well, I mean, I feel like that's where I find myself all the time. Still, like you know how what you just described. You know, like I mean, I, I guess that's why it's so important to have that like little glimmer of hope somewhere back there. Because you're just like, is this what it is? <laughs> no, it's not that. Or it was that, and now something else. Or I don't know. It's never enough. But you kind of get to a place if you've been following Jesus for even six months. You get to a place where you realize if it ain't Him, you don't want it anyways because it's not going to work out. I mean, it might feel better for a minute or be like a quick fix, but it's not going to be something that's, you know, part of what you're really supposed to be doing. And just like it did for me, the day comes when you're, you know, just like when it's nighttime and it's dark, eventually the sun's going to come out. Even if you got a hurricane and storms, eventually, you know, this too shall pass. And just like my day came, that day finally came for Joseph. And it actually kind of came out of nowhere. So are we going to talk about that? Yeah, that's the episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell us about that day. So Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he started having bad dreams, kind of more more along the lines of nightmares. He started having dreams that were crippling him. He was haunted. He would wake up and just be freaked out. Like, I don't know what this means, uh, but something, it was like a foreboding, like something bad is happening and I can't... Uh, you know, he couldn't figure it out. And Pharaoh was all powerful. Like he was the king of Egypt, which at that time, Egypt, even in that day, was all powerful. And, you know, they pretty much ran the world. And even though he was the king and he was all powerful, he needed some help. And he had all the smart people at his disposal. He had, you know, counselors and advisors and smart people that could help him. And he kept bringing it up to him and nobody could help him. I think we forget that sometimes, like sometimes like whoever it is that we're putting up on a pedestal, whether it be, you know, a leader or someone who, you know, is rich and feels like has all the things or whatever, like no matter what position you're in, no matter what means you have, like financial otherwise, like otherwise, there's always a time that comes that you need, like there's something you need help with. Yeah. I think we forget that about, you know people, anybody, and to know that, like, we might could be the person that could help somebody. Yeah. I mean, like, even Joseph, like, thinking about him, like, being a slave, and who would have thought, or if he would have even thought, like, oh, wow, the, you know, the ruler who's in charge of everything, not a ruler, what was he in charge of, you said? Who? The, the king, the pharaoh, or... He was over all of your all of Egypt. Yeah, that that he would have a problem that Joseph could actually help him with. <laughs> well, come, to come down with it, to come down to the end of it, how Joseph in, eventually got out of prison was that he was the only one that could help him. Right. So, in this process of trying to get people to help him with his dreams, and kudos on the Egyptian like wise people and the priests and the the scholars and all the people because they could have just lied to him and said, you know, it means this or it means that, but. Uh, they told him, we can't, we don't know. We don't know what to tell you about these dreams you keep having. <laughs> so uh, in the middle of all this, the cupbearer would always be with Pharaoh because he was always like right by his side. He spoke up. And yeah, was, the guy that Joseph saved. Yeah. Yeah. He spoke up and was like, you know, I don't really want to remind you of that one time when you were pissed at me and I did something that really got you angry. <laughs> But I feel like I need to bring this up because there's something I need to tell you. When that happened and you put me in prison, the the baker and I both had dreams, separate dreams, and there was a, a, a kid in there, a Hebrew kid, that was able to tell us what our dreams meant, and they both came to pass exactly as he said. So Pharaoh was like, what? <laughs> like... Where's he at? And he was like, he's in prison. Well, go get him. So Pharaoh was like, go get, you know, go get Joseph, you know, pop him out of prison. But, uh, <laughs> which is neat, just like in an instant, like his, all of his captivity, his slavery, his prison stuff that the king could like pardon him and take all that out of the way. But did he do that right away or did he just say like, go get Joseph? And no, he said, go me. get him right now. Okay. Because it said they had, they went, the Pharaoh sent for Joseph, they went to get him, but Joseph had obviously like digressed into Hebrew culture, <laughs> I guess while he was in prison because the Egyptians were built real big on, they like shaved their heads, they arched their eyebrows. Yeah, we talked about that, I remember. Put on makeup, they shaved their face. So it said before Joseph went to him, they had to get him somewhere. He had to shave and get all, you know, Egypt fabulous before they could. <laughs> yeah. Because it was a big deal to even have an audience with the king. Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing that little Bible study thing you're doing with a small group now with Esther. Yeah. You know, and the big story about that was that she burst into the king. 
to make well, a difference. Yeah, that you, you, literally you would be killed if you like. Yeah, you could came before him even as the queen without permission or without him extending the golden scepter or something like that. Yeah, they all had different like laws and protocols and stuff. Like yeah, that. I mean even to this day, like if you go see like the Queen of England before she passed, like presidents had to know the protocol of what to do and what not to do. It's just. That's how it works. So they went and got him out of prison. Yeah, but he had to shave and right. He had to do all of his stuff. Had to do the fix up. Put on an Egyptian all the stuff skirt. That you do a lot. <laughs> I don't do the all hygiene that. stuff. <laughs> I do hygiene, but I don't, I don't wear makeup or arch my eyebrows or any of that stuff. I don't even shave my face no more. Uh, <laughs> um. Anyways, they got him all cleaned up, shaved, ready to go. And by this time, Joseph, I think I've already said this, but I'll say it again. He was about 30 years old. And the interesting thing was when we first pick up on his story when he's 17, he's arrogant. He knows everything. He, you know, I'm I'm going to be the leader of all y'all. Y'all going to all be bowing down to me, doing all these things. Right. Probably not the smartest thing to say to your brothers who already resented you for being daddy's favorite. But <laughs> he had been refined through, you know, going through hard times, trials and hardship in real life and it reminded me of like i study leaders like great leaders especially in american history so if you look at somebody like an abraham lincoln like he was the president of the united states during the civil war he was somebody who saved our union and he had been through so much hardship up to that time like if you read his resume every time he tried to run for something or lead something he lost yeah i remember you telling me that that surprised me (laughs) It, but it's very inspiring, especially now. Yeah, it like, is. On the sure. other side of it, like if you look at any polls that ever get done, like he's always ranks as the top president, even over George Washington, and has for like a hundred years or more. That is very inspiring, actually. But if you read his resume, you would have been like halfway through his life, like Abraham, stop trying to be a senator. You can't. Right. You don't win. It's obviously not what you're made for. But through all that hardship and all the pain and all the things that he'd been through. When it was time for him to be president, he could be a leader that we needed because he understood, you know, what he needed to do. No, but it's not just Abraham Lincoln. Like, if you look at Ulysses S. Grant, his life, he went through some very hard times before he became, like, the guy that won the Civil War and then went on to be a president and get us through Reconstruction, an awful time in our country. Same is true for, um, you know, during the Depression, like Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He went through some very hard times, but he was one of our most effective presidents. Um, Harry S. Truman, I love studying his story because it seemed like in his lifetime, everything came late, but it always came. Um, Winston Churchill, you know, he was one of the champions of the world during World War II, but he had been through some pretty rough years leading up to that. So like them, Joseph had been through some stuff that got him really just ready to be a great leader who could lead at a time when the world desperately needed him. And I think that's a, uh, uh, seems to be a pattern in leadership is that you know, it's not always the most educated or the most smart or the most charismatic that are able to lead well and solve problems during a crisis. It's people that's been through some stuff. Like you. Yeah. I started to say this before, but people always want you to tell your testimony. Like, they want you to tell the good things. And I've learned, especially during my time at the Foundry, that if you want to connect with people and help people, it's better to share your your failures and your you know the stuff that hurt. That that's what really connects people and that makes them. I don't know if it just gives you a credibility or makes people understand what you're talking about. Or well, it's relatable and everyone can relate to that. Yeah. Any like any kind of failure, pretty much, because we all fail. So I think it's just relatable. So I would definitely rank Joseph in the category of one of the great world leaders of all times, just because he went through some stuff and got to his place in a time in history when he needed to be there. And well, I think it's neat that you say you rank him one of the greatest world leaders because I don't. I mean, I don't think I. I don't think of like figures from the Bible or people from the Bible as like world leaders. When you say world leaders, I think of you know political figures. Well, yeah. Well, he was both that. I know. I'm just saying that I don't think I I don't think of it in those terms until you say it like that. And he definitely is one of the world's great leaders. Absolutely. 
Yeah. I mean, well, he's. I mean, you don't hear Fox News or CNN, <laughs> for that matter, talking about. Oh, remember that great world leader from the Bible? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Well, but it would be from world history. Just because there's there's stories going on in the Bible, there's still human history going on at the same time. I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying that I like that you did that, but it's just you don't hear that put in that context very often. Maybe not th- these days. But it's. Okay, I don't know. What I said saying. I like that. I think I like how you did that. That's how I started that whole thing by saying I really liked how you worded it like that. Okay. We'll be right back. Head over to our YouTube channel for recipes, podcasts, and now we're even live streaming stuff to give you guys real glimpses into our daily lives. Yikes. You'll also be able to see the podcast behind the scenes and unedited live streams. We've added the first five seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast, and even if you've listened to all of them, check out the video format to see pictures, behind the scenes, and a whole lot more. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. It won't cost you anything, but it does help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe or a podcast. For exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have one feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms, and they're completely free from ads. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. So anyways, we said all that to say this. Joseph had been through enough stuff to be ready to lead at a time when it was time for him to lead and his purpose was revealed to him. So are you saying that this was the time that his purpose was revealed to him? Yes, if we can get past this one part and tell the story. All right, so Joseph got his time in front of Pharaoh. When they presented him to Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, I heard you could interpret dreams. And Joseph said, well, I can't, but God can. The God that I serve knows how to interpret dreams. So he wasn't really like arrogantly like taking credit for himself, which I think shows you some of his characters, maybe some of the... Uh, just how he was through all the hard times he'd been through, he realized it wasn't about him. His best efforts got him in slavery and in prison. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely humbled. Yeah, I would agree with to that. To the max. <laughs> so he said, I can't, but God can. So if you'll just tell me, we'll see You know, we'll see where we go from here. <laughs> just tell me the dreams. So Pharaoh said, the first dream I have, which is more like a nightmare, there were seven fat cows that come out of the river, the Nile River. I'm standing on the side of the river, and these seven beautiful fat cows come out of the river. They're fat and, you know, healthy, all good. Are they fat? Did you say I, that? I said that. I know. Thanks. You said it three times. <laughs> well, I mean, what's another way to say fat cow? A robust cow? I'm just playing with you. Give me some of that okay. uh, educated language you got. How many fat cows were there? <laughs> seven. Okay. Um. Anyways, they're good cows. <laughs> but then seven raggly, gaunt, sickly-looking skinny cows came up out of the water behind them, and then they ate the fat cows, but then they were still skinny and ugly. And then he said, the second dream I've been having is that there were seven heads of grain that came up on stalk, and they were healthy, fat. Can I say fat again? Mm-hmm. These fat grains? Yeah. Because fat means good. <laughs> Healthy, full, and good, but then seven skinny, raggedy heads of grain grew up on a stalk next to it, and then the raggedy stalk ate the seven good ones, and so all that's left are the ugly stalks. So it's like similar dream, seven and seven, and like something bad is happening, but nobody can tell me what this means. Yeah, and it looks like the ugly wins in the dream. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, from while you explained it. So Joseph said, you know, give me a minute, and I'll get back with you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me go do some ciphering with my Jesus. Well, he didn't call him Jesus. He called him God. Did, did he say that? What did he say? It didn't say. Oh. But I'm sure he didn't just like spout out. He probably had to go process. Um, 
Joseph said he was ready to give him the interpretation. He said the seven good cows and the seven good heads of grain, it's the same dream. God's just giving it to you twice. They represent seven good years. He says, so your kingdom in Egypt is about to have seven years of great plenty, like where you have more than enough. It's just bumper crops. You know, everybody's driving around in an electric car. You know, everything's good. You know, we got plenty of gas. We got a Trump economy going on. <laughs> You're going to confuse but, uh, people because all the different opinions of people that are listening to this. What do you mean? I mean, basically, they're going to be rich. Everyone's going to be happy. Everything's going to be Everything's going to be thriving and flourishing. You're going to have a great economy. You're going to have a great GDP. You're going to have a great everything. What's GDP? Gross domestic product. Okay. Yeah. Great of that. Just your, your country is going to be doing good for seven years and it's going to be so good. You're going to be rocking and rolling, but it wouldn't just be for Egypt because the world, um, the world was connected to Egypt because can Egypt at that time controlled most of the world. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the U S now, like Whatever our economy is doing, a lot of other countries' economies are doing the same because they're connected to us through trade and commerce and all things. But it was the same with Egypt during that time. Like, all the countries around would be connected to Egypt. If Egypt was doing good, they're doing good. If Egypt's doing bad, they're probably not. They're probably doing bad, too. So Joseph said these are going to be great years, but they will be followed by seven years of a severe famine that's going to hit the whole world. And it's not just a famine like anything you think you might know about. It's going to be a famine that's so bad that after these seven years, or these seven years of famine are going to be so bad that people is going to forget the seven good years. So that was the significance of the skinny cows swallowing up the fat cows and the, the raggedy grain swallowing up the good grain. Was uh, It's going to be so bad that people are not even going to remember that there ever was anything good happening. Yeah. And it kind of reminded me of like during the, the, have you ever heard of the 20s in the United States called the Roaring 20s? Yeah, the Roaring 20s. I've heard of that. It was just because everything was booming, you know. Uh, stock market was up, you know, money, everything was good. You know, just rock and roll, party time, have all stuff. But then the Great Depression was coming in the 30s, which was so bad that nobody could even remember the 20s. And right. It was, it was a horrible time. Like, yeah. everything failed, everything collapsed. Felt like it didn't even matter because of where they're at. Well, yeah. You know, the- but probably, like... It would have been in Egypt if Joseph hadn't stepped in. Like, they didn't even remember the good times. Yeah. They didn't care about letting the good times roll. We're just trying to eat. Like, Mm -hmm. we ain't got nothing to eat. But Joseph was telling him that this is how this is going to play out over the next 14 years. And then Joseph said, God gave you two dreams, and he repeated the same thing twice in a different way so that you will know for sure and understand what's coming at you. So So just, like, once to tell you and the second one to make sure you know it. Well, he's the leader. Yeah. You know, he says, he's like, God is trying to let you know this is what's going to happen. It's going to yeah. happen. So, but then Joseph, after he interpreted the dream, he gave him some advice. He said, what you need to do is to select a wise and like, you know, trusted man, set him over all the land of Egypt. And then if you could somehow like appoint like officers or collectors over all the land to take some of the produce during the seven good years, then you'll have like a reserve of food or grain or whatever for the seven bad years. And then your people ain't going to starve to death. So that was his parting advice to Pharaoh. Like, this is happening, so this is what you need to do. Like, just because you're going to have seven bad years, you can prepare for those seven bad years during the seven good years because you know that it's going to happen. Yeah. So. And so Pharaoh believed him and all that. Yeah. And in a crisis time, people love a problem solver. It's so funny how when something happens, like, I remember like, after 9-11, how the Republicans and Democrats were up on Capitol Hill seeing God bless America holding hands. Even Hillary Clinton was up there with Bush and all them. Yeah. <laughs> and that didn't last, but it was a, a time of crisis where we had to come together. And in crisis, people love problem solvers, and that's how leaders are, I believe, that's how leaders are really born, because they can produce results during a time when nobody else can't. So everybody that was on Pharaoh's court, all the wise men, all the doctors and lawyers and such, and all the smart people, they were uh, astonished by Joseph and the way he talked and the way he interpreted the dream. And you know, his advice was find somebody to be over all this and, and, and you know, Find somebody to run this seven good years so we don't have seven, so we can live during seven bad years. And then Pharaoh looked around at all the people and said, you know, he's given us this advice. This is what he's told me what's going to happen. Can we find anybody better than him to be the man to do it? And besides all that, he obviously has the spirit of God dwelling in him to be able to know all this stuff. 
So he turned to Joseph and said, you're going to be over my entire kingdom. All my people from this day forward, all my people will be ruled by by you. Whatever you say, that's what's going to go. And basically said, only in regard to the throne and final say, will I be over you. He made him his second in command. And then basically said, you're the man, Joseph. You know, you interpret it. God gave you this. Now go figure it out and do your thing. Which is crazy. Like literally things changed in an instant. In an instant. (laughs) It reminds me of this advice or encouragement, I guess, that Pastor Bill, we talked about this, gave us when we were struggling. And he said, he put his hand on my shoulder when we're leaving dinner. He's like, you know, things can change in an instant. (laughs) Yes, they can. And where I was kind of annoyed by it at in the moment, because it just felt like, I mean, that's a nice thing to say. It's a no, it's like, I know that's a nice encouragement. Yeah. Good thing to say to someone who's struggling. But as we walked away, I just thought it was like kind of a prophetic word, just like. Well, say what that time was. I had just got fired. I lost my job. Yeah. And. It didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense. And we didn't know what was next or how, what, why, how, any of the W's. Yeah. And wait, how starts well, with H? and the H? Okay, <laughs> and no, but I just felt like you know that we could trust, or that something was going to happen for yeah. us, or shift, or we're going to know what to do, or whatever. And I don't know. Just telling that reminds me of that story. Just like literally, he was in a prison cell, thought he was forgotten, has been in slavery for thirteen years, and then got put second in command of the biggest kingdom of the world. Yeah, so I mean, one day he was what in prison. What just happened? One day he was in prison. Next day he was uh, really second in command at that time of the world. Yeah, well, that's what I just said. <laughs> Egypt was a wor- Egypt was a world power. So yeah, it was more than just being up in some government. He was in the the government. Mm-hmm. He was the man, which is insane. <laughs> you think crazy. about it. That would be like what would that be like? Someone coming out of prison here and be put in like vice president? Not really. Um, <laughs> vice presidents. Have power only if the current president wants them to have power. Okay. Uh, before George Bush, during the Reagan years, most vice presidents weren't even invited to any of the meetings. Um, modern day president, modern day vice presidents have a little bit more power than they used to, but their only job is to be there in case the president dies. Mm-hmm. Not so much now, but before. But in other governments, other places of the world, they appoint what they call prime ministers. Like the Queen of England has a prime minister, or now the King of England has a prime minister that runs the government. Um, Even in places like Iran, where they have the supreme leader, they still have like a president or prime minister that's that's running the day to day. Like they're the they're the power. Probably in current American government politics, whatever you want to call it, it would be like the White House chief of staff. He's the one that's really, you know, calling the shots, making things happen. Yeah. But he took off the king. Pharaoh took off his signet ring and put it on Joseph, which was like basically giving him one of those black platinum American Express cards. You know, (laughs) no limit. I'll pay it every month, Joseph. (laughs) You know, whatever you say. And the signet ring was more than a a, uh, fashion statement. A signet ring had your stamp in it or whatever. So... Like you would put the wax and you would use your ring to seal it. So it was like whatever Joseph wanted to do, he would just take Pharaoh's ring and rubber stamp it. So mm-hmm. Joseph was in full, he gave him full control over everything. Yeah. But then, you know, he put nice clothes on him, gave him a nice house, put gold chains on him around his neck. And um, this was all right then. Then he put Joseph in the second in command chariot. So Pharaoh had a chariot that he ran around in. You know, kind of like a modern-day presidential limousine. Yeah. He gave Joseph the number two chariot, and Pharaoh's men would call out before Joseph when he went anywhere, bow the knee, bow the knee, Joseph's coming. <laughs> Sounds like a dream he, went, he had, right? Everywhere he went. And Pharaoh basically commanded that what he told Joseph during that time was, without your consent, no man would even lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Like, I'm giving you all the power. I'm investing everything I have in you. We want you to succeed and go do your thing. It does sound That's like great. a dream he had. Yeah, it? exactly. <laughs> but then he gave Joseph a new Egyptian name, and he gave him a wife, a daughter of one of his chief priests. And Joseph... Uh, he gave him a wife? Yeah. 
I don't know. That. So he finally got to have sex uh, after all those years. <laughs> I hope he liked her. Uh, it seems like he did. So, but after all he'd been through, and through all the years, and all the pain, all the heartache, heart, ugh, excuse me, all the pain, all the heartache, Joseph's vision finally was coming to pass of, of being the leader and people bowing down to him. And everywhere that Joseph went from that day forward, people bowed down, and reverenced him. Whatever he told them to do, they did. It was just a phenomenal story. I wonder what his thoughts were. I wonder if he was thinking, I mean, obviously he doesn't say this, but like if he thought like, I mean, he was obviously very humbled up to this point, but yeah. if that was ever tempted to go to his head during that period. I don't know. I think he'd been through so much that it, it didn't. I actually thought, I wonder what Potiphar's wife's thinking right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or even exactly. what Potiphar's thinking right now. Because right. now Joseph was over Potiphar. Right. Because Potiphar was pretty up in the government. And then also, you Potiphar know. Potiphar just probably kept his head low. Like, didn't. <laughs> Shorty got low, low. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also thought about during this time, like, I wonder what. I wonder if he thought I wonder what my brothers would think now. You know, they saw me in slavery. Now I'm I'm a lead, I'm a prime minister, but I'm leading more like a king. But remember, we talked the last couple of times about how names meant something. Yeah, during like when you named your child something, you attached a meaning to it. Joseph uh, ended up having two boys with his Egyptian wife. And what he named his sons kind of gives you some insight into what he was thinking during this time. Well, what did he name him? So when his first son was born, he named him Manasseh, and he said, "I'm naming him. I'm naming him Manasseh for God has made me forget about all the toil in my father's house." Oh wow! <laughs> so, the, but that that still had to be a pain for him, you know. Yeah, you forget he that he was away. ripped from his yeah family and his dad, who he really was close to. Yeah, yeah, you almost when you get this deep into the story, you forget that emotional. Trauma. I'm sure it was yeah an emotional trauma yeah. for sure. Yeah, and then his, when his second son was born, he named him Ephraim, and he's the reason for that was he said God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Oh wow! So he had a lot of good stuff going for him, but he was also very human. Yes. I guess. Yeah, for sure. But for me, honestly, Joseph's life demonstrates that he's just a comeback kid. And I've always felt like that in my life. Not always in the middle of it. You get discouraged. But I've been through some pretty heavy stuff. I mean, I feel like I'm going through some pretty heavy stuff now. But I know that old saying, this too shall pass. I always know that as long as I don't quit, eventually I'm going to win. It might not be what I want, but it's going to be what I need. And it's going to be God's plan for my life. Mm -hmm. So... Joseph was definitely definitely a comeback kid from slavery, developed competence and learned how to be like an organizer and organize people in Potiphar's house um, from being framed as a rapist, being lied on and they called him a rapist and adulterer, adulterer. He learned how to use it, his ability to interpret dreams and solve problems. But think about this. He couldn't have done that if he was feeling sorry for himself. So. That's one of the keys to life after prison. If he had been in prison feeling sorry for himself, he never would have went to check on those guys. Does that make sense? Say that again now. If he had been full of self-pity, he wouldn't have never cared about what the other prisoners were going through because it would have been all about poor Um, me. What about me? What about me? That's a great point to make, actually. Uh, From being forgotten in prison to being the one person to interpret the king's nightmare, the one person in the world at that time. or That's actually a profound point that you make about if he was feeling sorry for himself, he wouldn't have gone and asked the other guys how they were doing. Because if you're full of self-pity, you don't care about what nobody feels. Yeah. Because my plight is worse than yours. But then, you know, later on, we'll talk about this in the next episode. We're going to wrap this up. In famine for seven years, he learned preparation and how to to save the country and really the world. And um, in the end, he actually ended up bringing a whole lot more wealth to Pharaoh and to his kingdom and all that stuff just through the stuff, the plans that he had to, to be prepared. So bottom line, it's never over unless you quit. If you quit, it's over with. But if you don't quit, it's never over, no matter what you have to go through. Um, you know, Joseph started out his life cocky and arrogant and full of himself. No wisdom, no experience, no humility, all the, you know, words. <laughs> but during the rough years, he'd learned all that. He learned wisdom. He had experience. He learned humility. And when his time came, he was able to step up to the plate and be the leader that people needed during that time. And and just a teaser for the next episode, his family was also going through some stuff at the same time, and he would ultimately save them as well. So it's incredible because I feel like this is like the feel-good, could-be end of the story, and it is the feel-good that everybody, well, 
I like everybody <laughs> wants to feel good into the story, but it just it is incredibly inspiring. But there's actually even more like oh, yeah. redemption and restoration there's to be more. had. Yeah, more to see here. So. Anyway, really good life lessons to try to remember as yeah. we take on the week. But for right now, we need to wrap this one up. Yes. And we will meet his family again in the next episode. So it's I, been 13 years. Yeah. His dad thinks he's dead. Yeah. His younger brother, who's his only full brother, thinks he's dead. And his 10 other brothers know what they did. Ooh, so. they've been living with that for a long time. Stay tuned. All right. All right, guys. We'll see you next see week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, we hope you enjoy the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co. Click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email Haley at teamjones.co. And for exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions. All levels have one cool feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms and they're completely free from ads the best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review or follow us on social media facebook instagram tiktok youtube and more and that's too much to mention here so we'll put it all in the show notes for you our youtube channel is now streaming the straight out of prison podcast and even if you've listened to every episode check out the video format to see behind the scenes pictures and a whole lot more it really makes the story come to life in a whole new way and while you're there hit the subscribe button please hit that subscribe button it's 100 free won't cost you anything but it will help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience look up chef james k jones on youtube hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe or a podcast please support our sponsors they help us provide you this platform for free thank you for your support and thank you for being a part of our story Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. It's written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email me, Haley, Haley at teamjones.co. That's not .com. The best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast. Other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review. Well, as long as you think we did good. (laughs) Or you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. 
All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of home and commercial services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like, you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to, obviously, his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at hollandhcs.com. You can look up Holland Home and Commercial Services on Instagram for daily tips and more. Or you can check out their website, hollandhcs.com. We have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast, Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who are on Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOES. T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. 